Thank you for listening to the following films podcast. Today I'm joined by Evan Jackson Leong to discuss Snakehead. The film is set in New York City's Chinatown and it is inspired by the true life of Sister Ping, the fascinating woman behind the mass migration of the Fujianese community to America. Snakehead will be in theaters, on digital, and on demand on October 29th. Hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. Hey, Evan, how are you? Hey, Chris. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this today, man. I really appreciate it. Hey, thank you. Thank you for uh, giving me the opportunity to talk about it. It's been a long well, time to talk about this film, so it's exciting. Yeah, this was uh, one of those ones that took a while for everything to come together on it. Um, how long was the process from the initial thinking of this idea to, I guess, today? How long was that? <laughs> It's quite a long time. I mean, I started writing the script in like 2007, 2008. Um, and, you know, I was young. I was in my 20s. So I really didn't know, you know, what I was doing and, and what I was going to try to do. Right. And, uh, it was, you know, there, there's all good reasons why it is not like I was working on this thing for 14 years straight. You know, I had this little break in the middle with the with Jeremy Lin and Insanity, which took a couple of years off of this project. Uh, couple of years trying to raise money with uh with lucy lou attached which was mm -hmm. difficult but we couldn't raise money um you know and then you know uh the actual you know filming production production was only you know a good six months uh three, three you know it was like 30 days so over the course of a couple of months and then the edit took a little bit longer because um i just didn't i just underestimated the process of from documentary filmmaking to narrative filmmaking it's very mm -hmm. different and you know, I, I knew I knew technically what to do, but talent of telling a story was a very different process. And uh, yeah, you know, I mean, we were then COVID obviously slowed a lot of things up. I and mean, we were supposed to premiere last year at a festival, and so it gave us a good extra year there. So you know, every part of this journey was um, really tested me, right? Really tested. Do I really do I care that much about this project and this story? And uh, you know, I'm happy to say that, yeah, I mean, I've been excited about this since 2008. I mean, there's never been a moment where I'm like, oh, let's just get it done for the next one. Now, this has always been the the one project, the one story that, um, you know, if I had a chance to tell, this is the one I wanted to say. Well, in that 13, 14 year process that you're going through this, the timing of this is so unusual because this is a film that's as if not more relevant today than it was when you initially had this idea that had to be something that helped kind of keep your eye on the prize because of how much more important it was to tell a story like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I think I'm old enough now to, to realize timing is, is everything, right? I mean, with, with everything, with, with, with love, with work, with, you know, everything that we do, right? Timing is, is a huge part uh, factor that plays into everything, you know, we do as humans. And, you know, it's crazy that this moment in time is really um, the perfect time for this film, right? I mean, if I came out with this in 2015, it might have just, you know, went under the rug, you know, 2008, it's just nobody was even talking about stuff like this at all, right? Yeah. The, the, you know, I mean, even, you know, the fact that this was, a, you know, in 2007, this was a, a story about a woman in the underworld, right? A woman boss, a matriarch in the underworld that didn't really exist and, you know, at the same time, you know, while I was editing this Me Too movement happened. So now I'm like, wow, this is, this is, this is, this has a lot more, you know, importance than it did before. And, you know, I, I, I'm just, I'm just fortunate that, you know, timing kind of worked out. 
And it's something with um, misconceptions and misunderstanding of Asian American experience in this country. I think that it does speak to that in ways that I think that people like myself don't fully appreciate because there's, I had ideas of what this film would be going into it. And I was gratefully, woefully um, <laughs> wrong about all my, uh, mis all my, I was completely wrong on what this film could and what it would be. It was far more emotionally driven than I would have expected. Um, and it's something that it's the rare crime film that works at, not in action per se, but it does, but everything, it does have an emotional heart to it that there's a moment that I don't want to give anything away, but at the end that, you know, a passing of two people on an escalator, that's absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah. 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 You know, I mean, it's interesting, right? Like when you, when you, when you're in your twenties, you want to be an action director. And then as you get older, you understand like, okay, that's, that's great. But you know, you want to be, you, you know, you're working so hard at this craft, you want to be somewhat of a, a, a storyteller, a masterful, emotional, dramatic storyteller. And, uh, you know, so I have remnants of that. There's, when I look at this movie, there's remnants of my twenties and my, my thirties and all <laughs> that in there. And, uh, you know, it, it's funny. And so it's, yeah, at the same time, you know, um, you know, I, I definitely, you know, was a, a fan of, you know, the, the underworld gangster drama, right. Genre. Yeah. Right? Godfather, Scarface, you know, the, the, the Hong Kong triad films, the Hong, the, the Japanese Yakuza films. And yeah. so, you know, this underworld story for me was like something that, you know, I always wanted to tell, but I realized like, you know, you, the, those, those stories can't be told now. And, you know, what is the next iteration of that? And, you know, I tried, you know, my best to, you know, you know, to take the genre and push it a little bit further into something that, you know, I'm, ex I'm excited about. And can you talk about the theme of water in the mm -hmm. film? Because it was something that I noticed right away that water was used as a device. And it's something you actually do um, call out with the Chinese proverb and draw attention to. But prior to that, I had noticed just the way it was being used as something that was dividing people, something as a uh, mechanism for torture. It was something that was just water was not necessarily being shown as something um, that simply nourished you something that you know was feeding something you had to have it was no, the considering of the source no yeah i'm glad you picked it on we have, we have 10 years to write a script you, you put a lot of little nuances <laughs> and, and, and stay you know some things work some things don't and you, you know you kind of they're subtle there and you know for me you know i'm a, i'm i i am a you know i'm a pisces so i've always loved water right i love water i love the visual even in my insanity there's a lot of water if you look at it um but you know, the idea for me, ultimately, what, what really worked well for this film was the idea of the separation and the journey of crossing bodies of water, right? I mean, when you go from China to America, you're crossing this big body of water. And, you know, the idea for me was really this is to see kind of, you know, she comes from that. She comes from an island. She comes from water. She comes from this, this, the ocean world. And, you know, that's also where she draws her strength, right? I mean, the torture scene in the water actually gets stronger, right? I mean, these are subtle things I didn't really want to be like oh there's superpower type things but you know for me uh you know water is such a a powerful force you know I mean like like Bruce Lee says right it is malleable it's, it's powerful and, and and it's beautiful right and I think that's really what um you know a, a a subtle nuance that I was like you know visually I think that really works for what I'm doing and you know the idea of even the idea of a snakehead and the aquariums and all that it's just surrounded by water wherever you are and you know there was this one element too early on that I talked that I thought about was um, 
you know, the idea of, of, of immigrants when they come to, the, to any place, any, when you travel long distance, you're kind of stuck in this, you know, a Chinatown or a, just an ethnic enclave. And, you know, they're there, it's, it's almost like they're underwater, right? Everyone there is living underwater and almost trying to reach to the top so they can get out, right? That's what ultimately all immigrant communities do is they don't really, you make it there, you try to move out to the suburbs. So the idea of New York Chinatown even was like this idea of like it's underwater and everyone there is trying to breathe up. So, you know, it's subtle, but, um, you know, that, that's something that I always was, um, I've always been drawn to in this symbol in, in my work. And this is inspired by um, Sister Ping. It's a true story, um, but you've updated that. And that was something that was very surprising to find out this, someone who's involved in human trafficking, that they, from the outside, you would think of somebody that's involved in that, just lock them up, throw away the key. That's absolutely the worst thing you could possibly be. But then the community that she was involved in was actually very supportive of her and told a different story about her. Um, can you talk about that yeah, wanting to sure. update that? Yeah, no, I mean, I think, you know, I mean, Sister Penguin, I'm fascinated by her story and what she did, right? And the more research, you know, I talked to law enforcement and people that got smuggled by her and, you know, underworld gangsters and, you know, FBI, all these different people that had like direct contact with her. You know, at the time while I was doing research, she was in jail, you know, and she actually passed away while I was, you know, still in the development of it. And, you know, the more I learned about her, the more I realized, like, you know, I didn't feel, I didn't know her, I didn't talk to her, so I didn't feel justified in, in telling a story about her, because it would have just been another sort of, you know, fantasy that, you know, you know, just exaggerating everything what it is, right, because, you yeah. know, when, it's, when you say that, when you say this underworld boss is a woman, smuggled hundreds of thousands and the most notorious, it becomes very much a headline that's very exciting, and, you know, I, I obviously drawn to that initially, Right. And I think that sort of plays as a nice little hook. Um, but the more I got into it, the more I'm like, you know, I need to make a, a more current version, a more modern version. Cause you know, I mean, this is 2015. People aren't coming from China to come to America. They're staying there because there's way more opportunity there. So it's yeah. a relevant sort of story. But also the fact that, you know, we're an indie movie that so we don't have money to make it in the 80s and the 90s. And it would have just been a bad movie trying to do that, you know, with no budget. And then, you know. And then ultimately, you know, I think I, this was not really about Sister Ping. This was, you know, my paying my homage to, you know, the strong Asian women in my life, my grandmother, my aunts, my uncles, my, my, my mother, you know, my sisters, all these people, these women that I, I look up to that aren't necessarily portrayed in one sort of dimension in an all film. And so, you know, this is my way of like, you know, paying homage to them. And, you know, so it embodied a lot of different women versus just one. And, you know, the idea of, you know, her existing and based on a true story gives the the viewer you know i mean i'm already doing something weird right i mean we're not we don't there's no asian gangster movies like there's one or two right there's a couple so i'm already in something that's something that nobody has ever heard of and then you know but and then they're asian and they're talking speaking english it just it was a lot so i'm like you know because this happened there's a sense of a belief and when you watch this film that you know that like oh this is this is real because this could happen and i think that's a you know interesting thing to think about right because it's you know when you watch the film you're like oh it's based on your story but then reality is like you know this is completely different and the thing is like why couldn't this happen why couldn't we watch this but because it's based in something truthful and real people you know i, I get to suspend their animation just for the initial point and then it's up to the you know, the, the five minute, first five minutes to see if they want to watch the rest of it. Well, I 
think that even if a story is completely based on a true story, 100% factual, if it doesn't resonate as emotionally honest, it doesn't matter because you won't buy into the film. And this is a film that absolutely feels honest. It feels like this is rooted in a reality that while I might not be familiar with it, it feels authentic. And I'm not sure that that's something that you can, it's, there's a level of detail here, things that are being left out that aren't being spoken, that aren't a part of exposition, but you, on a subconscious level, I think pick up on that, if that makes sense. No, that totally makes sense. And that that's actually, yeah. I mean, I think that, that that's what's I think exciting about filmmaking when you realize like you can, you know, from documentary filmmaking, you know, my background is that like everything you shoot is yeah. truth, right? And everything you cut together is truth. But in narrative, every frame is is a, is a, is a made up frame and made up idea of what life is. And so it's a totally different process. And, you know, if it, you know, sometimes when things are too truthful, it, they're not, it doesn't really work. You know, some things that are yeah. too close to the real thing, they're just not that working. You know, we're making movies, you know, and that's why I think you have to make things that, that, that do right by the characters in the film. And do you talk a little bit about the casting of the film? Because your sister, uh, C, that's not an easy role. Mm-hmm. It's something that's a complex character that is um, a badass, but nurturing. She's somebody that is not physically intimidating, but has this emotional um, fortitude that makes you think that this is not somebody you'd want to mess with. But at the same time, there's vulnerability in this character. It's not something that's one note by any means. And I think that if you cast the wrong person in this role, your film just does not work. No, I mean, I completely agree with you on that. I mean, I think that's, it was always the hardest, (laughs) the hardest cat role of the cast right once and then um you know we had we had an open casting call i mean i looked across the nation open casting call to just read a line and see what it feels like and you know um it wasn't until we got to you know the audition of suya that was like wow there she is that's sister c i mean there's there was this there was this uh there's like a fear that I, when i watched her audition that i had but also a fear that you wanted to be close to right i wanted to be i wanted to experience what that what was so scary about her, right? And what was so powerful about her, right? And yeah. you know, I think, you know, there's there was a level of confidence that I think, you know, you can act confident, you know, as an actor, but then like being confident is is something different. And she, you know, she brought, you know, she brought this character to life. She truly did. And and I was uh real fortunate, you know, because I mean, it's funny, right? I mean, this this current state we are is like she's played, you know, three or four massage parlor girls prior. Right. To this movie and then she put her in and like the first couple things she's a massage parlor girl and we break that and you know it, you know again like she's a great actress it's just the the opportunity for the roles just don't really exist as much as you know um she has the ability for and she's great in it and the interplay with her and jade Wu, i think that's that's the i could watch them for days they're phenomenal together right and, and so yeah. i think that that relationship is great to watch yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's really interesting because Jade, you know, she's been in this game for almost 40, 50 years now, yeah. right? So, you know, there's this young, they, we, Jade brought this 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 little, you know, back in the day, instead of, you know, your headshot, she had this little card with her face on it, right? A little business card. And it's almost like a, a mirror image of Suya. When she, of, so when she was young, she looked like her. And, you know, that actually mirrored very much in this film, mm. you know, the idea of like, you know, that's what Diamond sees in her is the someone that said, I was that woman. I was that young girl with that ferocity, with that 
that strength. And that's why I want to take her in. And, you know, I think that 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 relationship, you know, these parallel stories of going back and forth, it just created this beautiful drama between the two of them behind the, you know, the backstory of what, what the, what the subtleties of, of their other of performances. But, you know, I think, um, I mean, Jade brought so much to the table and, and it's just exciting to see her working so much these days. So. Yeah. She's one of those people that she's been in a million things and you see her face and you're like, I know her. And then you look up her IMDb and you're like, Oh, well, yeah, of course I know her. Cause I've been watching her like multiple times a year for the last 30 years, like you were saying, and she's just phenomenal. But um, also something that really stood out for this was the way the film looks, because this mm. is a small indie. I'm sure you didn't have just mountains of money to throw <laughs> at the oh. look of the film, but it looks great. There's not a shot in this that doesn't, I mean, everything feels incredibly intentional, well thought out. And I know indie, that's not always the case where you kind of have to grab what you can, where you can, but it feels like these were choices that were made instead of your back was in a corner and you made do with what you had. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a little bit of both, a little bit of both, but yeah, <laughs> it, overall, you know, I think that's, you know, you lean on your strengths when you, when the first time you're doing something, right. And my strengths has always been the visuals and the stylistic. So I was like, I know this movie's going to look good, you know, just because, you know, I've been in this long enough and I know what things and I have a certain taste and compared to what other people do, I'm like, Oh, I know what, how to shoot what angle to make that better you know and fortunately you know I, I was working with this amazing cinematographer Ray Huang who uh, actually grew up in New York Chinatown so he knew that world very well and you know um there's a combination you know of, of my background as also as a documentary filmmaker and yeah. knowing that settings and worlds are such an important part of telling a story and I really wanted to make sure Chinatown was a character right and you know, when we talked about Chinatown, New York Chinatown, we thought, you know, New York Chinatown for me is real special because, you know, it's so old, right? 100, 200 years old, right? It's just so much in those streets of life and souls and stories. And, you know, we talked about, you know, the because, you know, growing up in China, New York Chinatown for him, you know, it was like the, the walls, right? In, in, in the apartments and the SROs, right? It's, you know, they don't clean things. They just repaint over them, right? So yeah. there's just layers, there's hundreds of layers of paint on every single wall in New York and all these apartments. And, you know, the idea of that patina and that, 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 that depth, like, well, there's all these, these stories behind it. But, you know, one of the biggest things that we also talked about was like, there's this Chinatown is sort of, we want to visualize it into three worlds, right? You know, there's the world that, you know, me and you, we go eat in Chinatown and we see it, right? We would experience the stores, we can eat the food, we can you know, experience, you know, just the tourist sort of approach, which is the first phase, right? And then there's this uh, other face, right? Which uh, the other world is the second world is, you know, where all the cooks, the workers, the massage parlor, you know, they all work and they all, you know, the back rooms that they all with mahjong parlors, all those kind of places. Mm -hmm. And then the third world is the underworld, which no one really gets to see. And, you know, we wanted to make sure that the characters kind of go in and out of these three different worlds very differently. And each one feels very different. And yet it's still all, you know, Chinatown. Yeah, you can feel that there's distinct color palettes that are kind of being used as you move through these different worlds and it feels very lived in in that way and it feels very intentional and you, it's just this is uh really a remarkable film and it's really rare to see kind of a smaller film that feels so accomplished um and it's something that i'm highly recommending to people i think it's you're coming out this week right yeah we're coming out october 29th so i mean it, this is this is i mean i don't know if you realize this is surreal for me to be able to be come to this moment right yeah I, of course i mean my god this many years and you're like 
three days from it right yeah three now. days and i'm like oh i don't know what's gonna happen and i'm just, <laughs> I'm just trying to embrace these, this moment but you know at the same time I'm like all right we'll see we'll see what happens just there's there's a need for films like this this is the kind of thing that people will share with each other because i think this is a really well-made crime drama that we don't see enough of these days it's not exploitative um it's emotionally driven and i it's an adult crime drama we and i i needed it at least so the very least you got one fan that's great <laughs> so. that's all yeah, yeah, yeah. that's great <laughs> me and you me and you will love this movie together it's fine with me awesome well I, I know we have to wrap it up but thank you so much for taking the time today evan i, I really appreciate it and i'm hoping it doesn't take another 14 years for your next no, narrative cannot, I, I, I want, I want that to happen my wife is not happy with that. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. Appreciate talking to you, man. Thank you. Take care, Thank you. Time enough to figure you out. Time enough to write this down. Wish me luck. Give me hope.
My boy's cracking.